Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm your old buddy Brando. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in here and finding this podcast. Uh, this is a dream that I've had for a long time and I'm finally making it a reality. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, before we get started and get into the meat of uh, this week's episode, which will be growing up in the Pentecostal church, I just wanted to take a minute for those of you who are new here and for those of you who are hearing me for the first time. You probably discovered me on TikTok more than likely because that's where everything has blown up at. And so I just want to tell you a little bit about myself and where you can find other projects that I'm doing uh, and tell you about a lot of cool things I got going on before we get into the meat of this week's episode. So uh, for starters, I've been a musician now for 25 years. Um, and you can find my music on pretty much all of the streaming services out there. If you just look up Brandon Fulson, that's Brandon, F-U-L-S-O-N. Um, I'm on all of the uh, music uh, streaming platform services. I also have a YouTube channel, Brandon Fulson. If you look it up, uh, go to youtube.com slash the ghost to most. Um, you can find me there. I'm also, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, although I don't use Twitter very much at all. Uh, and of course, I'm on TikTok. I'm sure most of you listening to the sound of my voice is here for that reason. And so um, you can also find me on Facebook under the band is under Brando's Real Billy Review, and you can add me as a friend on there, uh, Brandon Fulson, and when you add me as a friend on there, I have a private group called the Kitchen Table Crew, um, which is where I do a lot of my live streaming from the kitchen table. I'll do a live uh, acoustic you know, music show right here from my kitchen table, where I'm actually sitting here doing this podcast at, so you can find me on there. I'm pretty much all over the place. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time musically, and uh, now I'm uh, dipping my toes into the podcast water. So everything I'm doing is off the cuff. There's nothing scripted, nothing planned. This is just as though me and you were sitting on the back porch, or sitting on the bar stool, having a beer, and just shooting the breeze. And in the future, I'm going to have guests on the show who will come on and shoot the breeze with me. And I've already talked to people about it. I've got several really cool people that are lined up just chomping at the bit to talk about things. And that's the whole concept behind If These Hills Could Talk. There is a lot more blue dots in these red hills than you would ever imagine. And we're finally, you know, we're just going to start talking. A lot of people have over the years. And uh, there's so many people who have started coming out and saying, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm from the south and I lean to the left, but I want to take this and uh, push it as far as I can to get the voices heard because... I can't count the times that I've been sitting around on a bar stool with one of my musician friends, and they'll say, man, I really wish we could talk about this, but we can't. And I'm like, why the hell can't we? You know, we can. You want to come on here and you want to talk about whatever you want to under the sun? We'll do it, and we'll have a conversation about it, and we'll try to get to the, you know, we'll try to get a better understanding of it all. So that's the whole point of what this podcast is. One more thing before I get into the subject for today. Uh, I do want to remind you guys and let you all know that I'm now officially on Patreon.com. Uh, Patreon is a place where you can actually go and subscribe uh, to, um, to my content. You, I, there's Patreon-only content. And so um, it's a really cool thing, and I've, I've, I'm working at getting it set up. Now, it's, it's launched and it's out there, but I'm probably going to do some editing on this thing because I'm new at this too, and I'm trying to understand you know, how it is to work it to where people get... Uh, you know, a fair thing, a fair shake for their buck, so to speak. Um, but if you go over to patreon.com, and that is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash 
TN Brando, you will find my page. And if you subscribe for only $5 a month, you will get a monthly newsletter. You'll get access to live streams, patron only. You'll get patron only polls, plus you'll get behind the scenes content. And that behind the scenes content could include, you know, videos of me recording music in the studio. It could include uh, bonus content from the podcast uh, and, and several other things. So uh, that's the $5 tier. And then at the $10 tier, you pretty much uh, get the same thing. You get the monthly newsletter, access to live streams, patron-only polls, behind-the-scenes content. But here, you get, uh, you get early access to my digital single. So if I release a song, uh, you're going to get it first. So um, be sure to go over to patreon.com slash tnbrando and subscribe today. Uh, it would really help me to be able to get these podcasts and get all this music that I'm making out there to you. So without any further ado, I'm, like I said, now I'm just I'm winging this off the seat of my pants, uh, which is the only way I've ever, ever been able to do anything in this world. So I'm just sitting here at my kitchen table. I'm going to crack open a beer. Hope it don't blow the microphone out of the water. There we go. And we're just going to uh, talk about what it was like to grow up in the Pentecostal church. Now, I'm from southeast Kentucky. I'm actually from the tri-state of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Virginia. Uh, I live at the moment in the Cumberland Gap, but if I drive down the road about seven minutes, I can be in Ewing, Virginia, and in about ten minutes, I can be in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. That's how close I am to all three states. So I was born on the Tennessee state. The Tennessee side, I grew up on the Kentucky side in the town of Middlesbrough, and I went to Bell County High School, so graduated in 98, and so um, that's where I grew up, in the little town of Middlesbrough, Kentucky, the home of Lee Majors, by the way, so uh, if you're a Lee Majors fan, uh, and you ever come to Middlesbrough, you'll see a sign as you enter in that says, the home of Lee Majors, and our football field is named after him, even though... When he was asked on Johnny Carson where he was from, he said he was from Lexington, Kentucky. So the prick didn't even acknowledge Middlesbrough, but I am. I was born, uh, I wasn't born there, but I was raised in the town of Middlesbrough, Kentucky. And back when I was a little kid, um, my mom and dad came from different religious backgrounds. And the families, especially my dad's family, they were so uh, hardcore Southern Baptist that for my dad to marry someone that wasn't a Southern Baptist was pretty much the equivalent of a mixed marriage. I mean, it was that, that they were that, that's how extreme that it was. It was a big deal for my dad to marry someone that didn't go to the Baptist church and didn't believe in the Baptist faith. My mom was a Pentecostal. Uh, she believed in the uh, Pentecostal faith. And um, the Pentecostal faith is um, actually comes from the book of Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, they had the day of Pentecost, and supposedly at the day of Pentecost is where they had received the Holy Spirit. And that's what Pentecostal people believe. They believe that in order to truly get to heaven, you have to accept and receive the Holy Spirit uh, of Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain to you what this was like, okay? I've got to take a sip of beer here. Like I said, this is totally off the cuff. So... The Baptist, I, I can I can break it down for you pretty simple here. These few little differences is what separated my dad's family from my mom's family. My dad's family was Southern Baptist. Basically, what they believe 
I'll tell you what separates the two beliefs, Baptist and Pentecostal. It's actually just a couple of things. The Baptists believe that once you are saved, once you are born again, in other words, once you go to the altar, kneel down, and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, they believe that from that moment on, your soul is sealed. You are going to heaven from that moment. And it does not matter what you do afterwards. You can go out here and become Charles Manson if you want to. You can become Adolf Hitler. It don't make a damn. If you got saved when you was a kid, you got a free ticket to heaven. And they believe that anything as far as paying for sins, they don't believe you'll pay for them with eternal damnation in the pits of hell. They believe that you will pay for them on earth. So in other words, if you know, if say you get saved in the Baptist church and then you backslide and you go out here and wreck your car or you go out here and slip and fall in a mud hole somewhere, they're going to say, see there, that's, that's, that's you, you, you're not living for God now. That's why that stuff's happening to you. So they believe, but they do. They, believe, they actually will say this, once saved, always saved. That's what I believe. Once saved, always saved. And um, they literally believe that. Now, another thing that they believe is they believe in the, um, the rapture that in the, in, in the end times, they believe that Jesus Christ will just step out on a cloud and it could happen at any given moment. At any given moment, Jesus Christ could just step out onto a cloud and when he does, the righteous will float up in the sky to meet him and the rest will just be left to burn. And that's it. End of story. And now, several Baptist churches will believe it differently. I've heard, I, th- see, this is another one of those moments where it's all open for interpretation, but Baptist churches will at times, they will um, they will believe slightly different. But the moral of the story is they believe that one day Jesus is just going to come out on a cloud. You're going to hear a trumpet sound. They believe you might be standing out in the yard one day, you know, having a cookout. You may be driving down the road. You may be getting on with your wife, whatever the hell you're doing. The trumpet will sound, and if you're saved, you will shoot up, and if your wife's not, she's going to stay there. So, Now, on the other hand, the Pentecostals believe that once you are saved, that, okay, basically they believe that means you got the job. You're now a Christian. You're now a follower of Jesus Christ. But in order to stay in his good graces, you have to live it. Now, I can respect that a little bit more. Uh, they believe that they go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, where he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. So in their mind, the way that my grandfather explained it, it's like, okay, when you get saved, you're basically um, you're getting the job. Now you got to live it. So I will give the Pentecostal, I don't, and by the way, I don't believe in none of it anymore, but I'm just saying I will give the Pentecostal a little bit more credit. At least they believe that you have to live the stuff. According to you know my family on my dad's side, I got saved when I was a kid, so all, those, all that partying I did and all those mean girls I went home with, that's all taken care of. My sins are forgiven, which is, you know, I used to say when people would say, Brandon, buddy, you need to quit going over at that Mustang and sleeping around with every woman you see. I was like, well, I've been saved, so why do you care? Um, but anyway, that's, that's two of the things. And then the other thing the Pentecostals believe, they believe that when the end of time comes, yeah, you're going to hear the trumpet sound, but they believe that Jesus Christ will come down to the earth and he will reign for a thousand years on earth. And he'll pretty much give everybody a chance at that point for redemption. So again, I kind of say to myself, well, if Jesus is going to come hang out for a thousand years, then can't I just keep on partying it up? Because when he gets here, I'm going to have a thousand years to get it right. But anyway, 
um, when I was a kid, you know, growing up in those two families, and here's the kicker. When you've got two grandpas that you absolutely idolize, and I did, I absolutely idolized both of my grandfathers. They were good men. They really were. Um, and on one side, I had my grandfather, uh, Lindsey Fusen, on this side, and he's a hardcore Southern Baptist. And on the other side, I have Granville Robbins, who doesn't go to church every Sunday, but when he does, he's Pentecostal. So that you know, you've got two guys who you look up to who are both telling you that their way is the right way and the other one's wrong. And there was times where I would say to my Papa Robbins, for example, I'd say, well, now Papa Fuson said the opposite. And he would go, well, that's because he's got it wrong. And then vice versa. They would both say that about the other one. Oh, no, it's wrong. Well, when you're, I think that's what started and that's what planted the seeds of me, you know, asking questions. If everybody in my family had saw it the same way, then I might have just went right along with it, just went with the flow. But it was the fact that these two figureheads, these two men at the top, and my grandmother's too. You know, um, my grandmother on my dad's side was a Southern Baptist and a Republican. My grandmother on my mom's side was a Pentecostal and was a Democrat. And so it was, you know, again, you, the people that you look up to as a child and that you take lessons from and you learn from from as a child when they have opposing viewpoints well it caused me to ask a whole lot of questions so early on in my life early on in my life i would go back and forth i would go from the pentecostal church over to the uh baptist church and it was confusing because they would even say to me you shouldn't be going to that pentecostal church down you just need to come over here and stay with us and vice versa. So finally, um, my dad is the one that was like, he, he started really liking the, the pastor at the Pentecostal church. Uh, dad really began to like him and began to see things the way that he taught him. So my dad decided that to, you know, to just, in other words, he wanted us to just have one home church and he didn't want me to be confused. And he liked this pastor. So he decided to take us over there and just become members of the Pentecostal church. So we did. And uh, I'm not sure the exact year this would be, but I do know that in 1988, I want to say, so we were going before this, in 1988, my dad was baptized by the Reverend Clifford Yeary um, into the Pentecostal faith. And it was such a big event in our family that we didn't know if his parents or if any of his family would show up for it. Because, again, it's like, we're Southern Baptists. Why is he going to a Pentecostal church? It was that big of a, of a mishap to them. So my grandfather on my dad's side was extremely sick at that point. He wasn't able to get out of the car, but he did come. They drove the car, and they parked where he could see, and he rolled the window down and watched. And I actually have, if, I can, if, it's, if it's still playable, I have that baptizing on a VHS tape. And you can see both grandfathers there. You can see... Uh, my grandpa Robbins standing on the lake bank, and you can see they pan the camera, and you can see my grandpa Paul Fuson standing or sitting in the car watching. And so my dad was baptized into the Pentecostal church, and that's where we went. And um, you know, so it's it's our and it's the Middlesboro Pentecostal Church, by the way, which is uh, right there in Middlesboro, Kentucky. And uh, we we went, and uh, you know, as a kid, I just always. From the time I was old enough 
to talk, I asked questions. And I doubted everything I seen. Both churches I went to growing up, I saw things that made me doubt, that made me not believe. And I had questions. And I couldn't understand why that when you ask a question, you really rocked the boat. You know, just asking the most simple of questions, you rocked the boat. And I couldn't understand why. I was like, why is it that that me asking a question, if I can't question God, then how strong is he? If a little kid from southeast Kentucky can't question the Almighty, then what good is he? How strong of a being is this if he can't take questions from me? And so going to the Pentecostal church, you know, we would go in, uh, and when you got there, the first thing that uh, they would do is they would start singing. They'd sing a couple of songs, everybody's rolling in. And then they would, uh, they would, I don't remember which came next, but usually it would be like a prayer. They would, uh, they would lead, lead us in prayer, and we would all stand and pray. And we would join hands and pray. And now, I don't ever remember not reading the Bible. I read the Bible from the time I was five, six years old. Earliest memories of reading the Bible. When I learned how to read, I learned, I learned reading how, you know, reading the Bible. So it's, it's always been there. And I remember as a kid when they would be like, let us stand and pray. I used to say to myself, but the Bible says not to. The Bible actually says, when you pray, do not stand like the heathens do, for they want to be glorified before men. But otherwise, go, go into your closet and uh, pray in secret. And whatever you ask the Lord for in secret, he will give it to you openly. I pointed that out to the minister, and he was like, well, I, I know it says that, but we, we just stand in reverence for him. Okay, so you're, you're, you're twisting the book already, but, but uh, whatever. So I would go back into the Sunday school class, and, you know, in my early years we would sit and color, you know, Noah's Ark and color Joseph and his coat of many colors and things like that. Um, but eventually I got this Sunday school teacher. It was a guy. I think his name was Mr. Maiden. I'm not 100% sure on that. But... Um, at the end of the class, he would say, does anyone have any questions? And the kids would just sit there. And I would raise my hand, and I would say, yes, I have a question. And I would ask. And my questions really rocked the boat uh, because I remember one time in particular that he did a whole uh, lesson about how that in order to get to heaven, we had to accept Jesus Christ. There was no other way, he said. He said the only way to get to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. So when he come around to the question portion of the show, I raised my 10-year-old hand and I was like, hey, uh, what about the Native Americans? He said, what do you mean, what about the Native Americans? I said, well, they didn't know Jesus. Jesus had never came to America. I said, so did they go to hell too? And he said, uh, yeah, if they didn't believe in him, they did. I said, but they didn't know about him. How's that fair? I said, how's it fair to send someone to hell that didn't know him? He said, well, I'm sure they knew him. I said, well, I said, well, how could they have known him? I just kept pressing this guy. How could they have known him if, you know, if if he's never if America hasn't even been discovered yet, and there's no internet, there's no telephones, there's there, I mean, how did there's no newspaper? How did word get over here? He just kept pressing me. Well, I'm sure I'm sure the Lord found a way to let them know, and if they didn't accept him, they're going to hell. And so, uh, you know, I didn't really like that answer. Still don't. And then um, he he started teaching one day about um, about Ju about the Last Supper and how that uh, Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus for thirty pieces of silver. Uh, 
And so uh, it comes to the question portion, and I raise my hand, and he says, uh, he says, what is it, Brandon? And I said, well, how can you really call Judas a traitor? He said, because he betrayed the Son of God. I said, no, really, he didn't. He said, well, yes, Brandon, it says right here. I said, no. I said, Jesus tells him to. I said, Jesus actually set, looks over at him during the Last Supper and says, well, first he says, you know, I say unto you that whoever sits here uh, and dips his uh, hand in the dish with me at this point right now, whoever's dipping his hand in the bread, you know, with me, that he is the one that will betray me. Well, Judas has his hand. He's dipping his bread at the same time. So Judas turns to Jesus and says, you know, Jesus, is it I? Am I the one that's going to betray you? And he says, yeah, what you have to do, do it quickly. So he told Judas to betray him. He told Judas to go turn him in to the authorities. And, you know, backing up a little bit, he also told the disciples when they went into Jerusalem, they were walking and Jesus stopped and said, wait. He said, wait, we can't, we can't walk into Jerusalem because the scripture says, the prophets said, that the Messiah would come riding a donkey. So he made the disciples go get a donkey in order to fulfill the scripture. And going back further than that, he stood up so many times when he was preaching and said, today, you know, in all hearing, the scriptures are fulfilled. So basically what Jesus Christ was doing is he was making his story fit with the old prophecies that were already there. At the end of the day, I can't see how that Jesus Christ and David Koresh are any different. David Koresh was down in Waco, Texas, doing his seven seals horse shit or whatever the hell it was. He's doing that. He believes in it. And he's trying to make these things fit so that he can tell his story. And Jesus Christ did the same thing. And I know that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but if you read the book and you read the story, he literally tells them, we have to fulfill the scripture. Hold on, wait. Now, let's just, let me give you all an example of what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> let's say that somewhere along the lines back in the 60s, that somebody predicted that one day a guy in a black bandana would drive a red Ford Mustang into Middlesbrough, Kentucky. And he would get out on the top of his car and he would dance naked while drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Let's just say that that was this guy's prediction. And he predicted this in the 60s. And let's say that the story was out there that, hey, one day there's going to be a dude in a black bandana drive a red Ford Mustang in the Middlesbrough, jump up on the hood of it and dance naked while drinking a Pabst Blue Ribbon. Okay, well, I could read that and I could put on my black bandana, and if someone said, hey, get in this, get in this black you know, Camaro over here, I could say, no, 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 whoa, wait. Now, the, the, the prophet said that I was going to ride in on a Ford Mustang. And then when I got there, you surely aren't going to dance naked, are you? Well, yeah. Well, here, take this Bud Light. No, I can't. I can't have the Bud Light. i got to drink a past Blue Ribbon. That's the same thing that Jesus did throughout the Bible. He made the story fit the narrative that had already been put in place. Either A, okay, either A, I'll say this. Either A, Jesus himself made the story fit the narrative, or B, the people writing and editing the King James Bible made it all fit, which is probably more accurate. But I'm just saying, no matter how you look at it, people will sit back and they'll go, oh my God, he fulfilled the scripture. Well, anybody can fulfill a prediction. If it's that, you know, anybody can do that. So I brought that point across to the Sunday school teacher. I, mean, I didn't tell him the scenario of the guy riding in the Middlesbrough and dancing naked with a past blue ribbon. I didn't say that. But I basically said to him, hey, 
<coughs> excuse me. I basically said, hey, this is, you know, this he's making the stories fit. And this teacher just got so upset. And he was like, well, Brandon, all I can say is that you are thinking in the carnal mind. And he said, you, um, you need to, uh, you know, you really need to pray. And we need to pray for you. And he said, you know what? He said, I think I need to have a talk with your mom and the, the preacher because, uh, you know, you're, you're really, I'm starting to, you're starting to confuse the other kids. I can tell that the other kids now are confused. So let's go have a chat with them. So here we go. We go out there to chat with the Reverend Yuri, who, by the way, if anyone out here hears this podcast and knows who I'm talking about, I have nothing but respect for Clifford Yuri. I thought he was a great guy. Um, more on him later. But when we have the meeting, uh, he tells uh, Preacher Yuri about how that I've been asking all these questions. And Preacher Yuri is nice about it, but he says, I never will forget this, he said, well, he said, you know what, Brandon? He said, maybe you're just a little bit more advanced than the rest of the, uh, of the kids. And he said, maybe I need you to sit out here with me so I can work on you out here. So... I go from being a 10-year-old kid sitting in the Sunday school class, hearing the commotions through the wall, to now going out and sitting in amongst the commotion. And I'm telling you what, folks, that was a culture shock. I had heard the shouting through the walls when they would get into the service while I was back in Sunday school class. But until you have sat in a Pentecostal church in Southeast Kentucky and experienced it in all of its glory, you've not saw it. Um, I've got so many friends that grew up in, uh, in quieter churches that, that was like, man, I, my preacher never raised his voice. Or I've grew up, you know, I've got friends that grew up and they never were exposed to religion. They never were exposed to the Bible. And I'm sure these things are foreign to them. But I'm talking about full-blown, you know, balls to the wall, uh, shouting, speaking in tongues, singing. And when I say speaking in tongues, that's another thing that the Pente- that separates Pentecostals from Baptists. They do believe that they have the ability to speak in tongues. Um, and I'm not going to imitate it, but um, you can Google it and find uh, videos of people speaking in tongues. Supposedly, when they do that, they're talking directly to God Almighty. And they believe that you have to have an interpreter there. So we used to have this woman that was at our church that would sit there and supposedly, and they would actually, this was weird to me. They would say, don't speak in tongues unless she's here because she has to interpret it for us. So the other person would get up and rattle off their tongues and that woman would then turn and tell you what it was that they said to God. And when you witness that as a little kid, that is something that's really hard to shake. You know, the great comedian Sam Kennison one time said that, when you're brought up in that kind of environment and that stuff is drilled into your head, I mean, you soak up so much information from the time you're five years old till you're like 20. I mean, you're really soaking up knowledge at that point. And when you see that at a young age, and that ain't the only thing I've seen, I would see the preacher lay hands on people and then pass out. I would see him speak in tongues. I would see him jump from one side of the pulpit to the other, and he never made a sound. It was as though he was floating in front of me. I would see him take a run and go, come off the pulpit. He would step onto the seat of the pew I was sitting in, step up onto the back rail, which is just you know a couple of inches long, you know wide, and he would walk 
from one pew to the next, I would see his feet go right past me. From one pew to the next, he would go. And when he got to the back of the room, he would back up and, and go backwards. Meanwhile, while you're doing that, while he's doing that, you're sitting there scared shit. Listen, you've also got somebody you're going, see there, Brandon, it's real. The Lord's moving through him. That's what's happening. Don't question it. Don't ask any questions. This is all real. And so I'm sitting there going, does he come in here and practice when we're not here? Because how the hell did he pull that off? You know, and what's up with those tongues? I didn't make any sense out of none of that. How does that woman know what she's saying? And, you know, even out there in the front, I still continued to ask the questions. And I still continued to, 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 to ruffle people's feathers. <coughs> they would say that they, <coughs> they would always just come off with, well, you know, Brandon, you just got to pray about it. And we got to pray for you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I do not have COVID. <coughs> I'm not going to edit this either. I do not have COVID. Let me tell you what I got. Oh, I was sick recently. I was sick and um, got pretty down for a couple of days, but I tested negative like three times. So hopefully I'll be out of the woods. But anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, got sidetracked there for a second. Uh, I continue to go to that church. I continue to ruffle feathers and I continue to have people say to me, well, Brandon, uh, we need to pray for you, and you need to pray harder to get a better understanding. And that's what the preacher would always say when I would come to him with questions. He would say, well, Brandon, just just pray harder about it, and I'll be praying for you, buddy. You just pray harder. You'll, you'll get it eventually. And so I'm not sure the year that this happened, but the Reverend Clifford Urey was in a car accident, and he was an old man. I don't know. I know he was probably up in his 70s at least. And he was in a really bad car accident. I remember that he actually preached a few sermons from his house in a hospital bed, and they wired him in, like on a radio. They brought him in that way, and uh, he would preach that. I remember sitting under a couple of sermons with him preaching from his bed in his home. Um, and then eventually, you know, the the um, the injuries from the car crash caught up with him, and uh, he was uh, uh, he he passed away. Um, and you know, no matter how many questions I had for him and no matter how many questions I had for the church people that I were around and my family, there was something about the Reverend Clifford Urey that I just really liked. And I have, like I said, I have nothing bad to say about the man. Um, I really liked him. And when he stopped preaching there, I just didn't really want to be there anymore. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. And my mom and dad kind of stopped enjoying it. Um, it just wasn't the same without him. And so uh, we left the Pentecostal church. And after that, you know, we floated around. We went back to the Baptist church a time or two. I went to some Bible uh, schools and Bible studies with uh, other other friends, mostly in Baptist churches. Um, and uh, that was pretty much that. But... Um, you know, there was a time when my mom and dad started going to a Baptist church and they kept on asking me if I wanted to go. At this point, I'm probably 12, 12 or 13. And my mom and dad was never like really strict or die hard about anything. And so when I just voiced that, you know what, I'm sorry guys, but I just don't want to, you know, go anymore. They didn't press it. Uh, they didn't push me and, uh, they didn't make me go. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, my mom and dad, I was around a lot of religious uh, assholes and a lot of religious hypocrites, but they weren't my mom and dad. You know, mom and dad was of the of the belief that 
they should take me to church because it was the right thing to do. They believed that I needed to learn about the Lord, and I needed to learn about Jesus, and I needed to learn about heaven and hell, and I needed to learn how to get saved. And that was their reason for taking me. But they didn't, they weren't as strict as the church was that we were going to. I mean, I was actually told growing up, mom and dad would say, now listen, don't, don't tell the church members that you watch wrestling. Don't tell the church members that we let you watch these movies where people get killed. Don't, let, don't tell the church members that you got a deck of cards in the house. And hell, you know, some of those Pentecostal churches even go so far, they, don't, they, they, they wear long sleeves. They don't believe in having, uh, you know, televisions. They don't believe in having anything. Now, and I've not been, you know, in close to 30 years now, so I don't know uh, how far they've swung. Um, I don't know how, that's a funny word to use for them, but I don't know how liberated they've become. I don't know if they're, I'm sure they got cell phones. Uh, maybe somewhere along the way they found a way to twist it all up. You know, just like they did, uh, I mean, you know, just like, you know, uh, the evangelicals accepted Donald Trump. So I'm sure the Pentecostals probably found a way to move on into the 21st century. But, um, you know, it's um, it's just one of those things that uh, I don't regret growing up there. Uh, I don't regret those experiences at all. Um, I, like I said earlier, I talked to friends of mine out there who, um, who have... Um, who, who have never had any exposure to religion, and yet, you know, they're good people. I've got friends that are some of the best friends and the best people ever that says to me, man, I've never read one book of the Bible. I know nothing about it. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't trade places with them. You know, I, I'm glad that I grew up around the people I did. And I'm glad that I asked the questions that I ask. You know, I'm not ashamed of asking those questions. And if there is a day of judgment and there is a God, I'll have questions for him. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't see, I look at it now, you know, I'm the father of five kids and I got one grandson. I can just tell you that if I was to tell all five of them to do something and four of them went and did it, no questions asked, but then I had one come up to me and say, Dad, why are we doing it this way? Can you tell me why I'm having to do this? I would have more respect for the one that asked than for the four that just blindly followed what I told them to do. That's just my nature. That's just how I am. So, um, you know, there it is, folks. That was me growing up in the Pentecostal church. I started to keep going and tell you about how that uh, later on I morphed into going back to a Southern Baptist church and was a member of it for a while. But I'll save that one for another day because I don't want to get too long-winded here today. This is the first episode. And, uh, you know, getting my feet wet doing this, but, um, at another time and place, and, uh, I will talk about, um, my journey back to the Baptist church when I was 20 year old and I would give anything to be able to get that minister on here to talk with him, which I doubt very seriously will ever happen. I don't think he has the guts to debate me. <laughs> he won't even look at me in a grocery store anymore. So I don't think he'd set across from me, but that's one of my goals. I probably will reach out to the guy and just ask anyway. He can tell me to fuck off in his own way. But I do have a really good friend of mine who is a Pentecostal preacher and who has agreed. Actually, believe it or not, he and I debated once before. But we recorded on a on a small task cam recorder, and I can't figure out how to get the damn conversation off of the recorder to get it onto my computer. And um, I've not found anyone that can help me with that. And so he's been through a lot of... Uh, things and a lot of changes and so i'm going to have him come back on and we're just going to do a take two uh live and in person 
and you'll get to hear me eventually. I don't know when this will happen, but uh, I've reached out to him. We're going to talk one day again about uh, we'll have that debate. So you've heard me talk today about the Pentecostal faith, and eventually you will hear me uh, actually debate a Pentecostal preacher. And he and uh, he and I don't agree on much of nothing, but uh, I consider him a friend. And uh, we the last time we had a conversation, it was a damn good one. So I expect we'll have another one, and I think. Honestly, I think take two will probably be better because I actually, you know, a podcast is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, Two or three years ago, (coughs) excuse me, two or three years ago, I started um, the idea of the podcast and actually recorded a couple of episodes, but I just wasn't able to get the sound to transfer over properly. I'm I'm completely illiterate when it comes to to, um, technology. But I've managed to get the first episode down. That's what it was like growing up in the Pentecostal church. And um, this is If These Hills Could Talk. So I want to thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, Be sure to rate this wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. I understand that if you give it a rating, it helps it uh, grow and helps people to find it better. So be sure to, you know, share it with your friends and uh, let them know it's out there. And if you're a person, if you're a musician, you don't have to be a musician. You can be anybody. If you're a left-leaning person that would like to come on the show and talk about certain subjects, or if you're not and you just want to come on and talk to me, um, I'm not going to get on here and argue with someone. I'll tell you that straight up. I'm not going to have someone on here who just wants to be. I'm not going to talk to Sean Hannity. You know, <clears throat> I'm not going to talk to someone who's just going to say a bunch of bullshit to me. And I'm also not going to turn over uh, this show to someone who's going to spread a bunch of bullshit to people. This is just conversations uh, in the future that I'll be having, and there will be uh, subjects that I'll be talking about. I just figured that uh, growing up in the Pentecostal church would be a good place to start, and um, you know we'll see how it goes. I've got so much to talk about. There's, uh, there's 25 years of playing music, so I have plenty of music stories for you. Uh, there's you know life growing up here as a blue dot in a red state. And, uh, you know, maybe, well, I'll just go ahead and say it. Maybe that'll be next week's episode. I will talk about uh, what it was like becoming a blue dot in a red state. So there we go. I went ahead and got next week's episode ready to talk about. I'll be thinking on it. I'll just sit down here again and uh, see what I can come up with for you. But, again, thank you for tuning in. Pass this thing around. Let everyone know it's out there. Tell your friends about it. These hills could talk. I don't have any catchphrases. I don't have any cliches at the moment to throw at you. So I'll just say, this is your good buddy, Brando. You guys take care. Have a safe week, and I'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for listening.